I have a message for you tonight that I want to do a bit of teaching in it. Not only a bit of teaching, we'll see how the Lord leads me in preaching. And uh, we'll turn to the scriptures and we're going to read a few verses from Jeremiah chapter 3, please. Jeremiah chapter 3. While he's still doing the needful, they open the windows, it's a bit warm. Bless you, Willie. Jeremiah chapter 3, and let's read from verse 1. They say, if a man put away his wife, and she go from him, become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return unto me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the places and see where thou hast not been lying with. In the ways hast thou set for them, as the Arabian in the wilderness. And thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withholden, and there hath been no latter rain. And thou hadst of whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. Wilt thou not turn this time, from this time, cry unto me, My father, thou art the guide of my youth. Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done all evil things as thou couldst. The Lord said also unto me, in the days of Josiah, the king, thou hast, hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said after she hath done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredoms that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly saith the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Now, I'm just going to read one verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. This is the chapter where Paul speaks of Israel coming, being baptized unto Moses through the Red Sea and under the cloud. He speaks of the spiritual rock, which was Christ, which followed them, although they drank from a literal rock. And then it's how we are then in Christ through the communion of his blood and his broken body on Calvary. But notice what he says in one verse, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the sense of your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that we can gather in freedom and liberty still in this room, in this building, to worship you, to give you thanks for all that you've done for us. Father, we pray now that you would take your own word and inscribe it upon every heart into every mind. Give us teachable spirits, listening ears, receiving hearts, that we may be built up on our faith. And Father, if there is one who is not yet saved and made their calling and election sure in Christ, we pray, Lord, that they would see all that you have done for their salvation and that you would save them for time and eternity. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. To give you just a little background briefly where we are in this, in Jeremiah chapter 3, we want to call this message the treacherous sister, a divorced wife and backsliding children. A treacherous sister, a divorced wife and backsliding children. And yet... It's speaking off the same people. For example, the treacherous sister is part of the family. The divorced wife speaks of all the family of Israel, or, or pardon me, the northern family of Israel, and the children speak of all the family of Israel. Treacherous is mentioned four times in our chapter. It's mentioned in verses 7, 8, 10, and 11. Treacherously is mentioned twice. And it's both times mentioned in verse 20 of the chapter. The New English Dictionary uh, for treacherous says this. It means untrustworthy, disloyal, unstable, and dangerous. I want to say it again. Untrustworthy, disloyal, unstable, and dangerous. Now, if you were to go into your Old Testament further back into the first book of Kings. We haven't time to go into it. Write it down. Read it when you go home. First book of Kings, chapters 11 into 12, and then even into 13. You'll see how Solomon had built this great temple, and he's on the throne in Jerusalem. And he's over a united kingdom of Israel. And of course, Solomon dies. His son Rehoboam uh, takes up the throne in his place. Solomon's understudy, a young man with plenty of promise called Jeroboam. He has come back into the land and Solomon had set him over what was known as Joseph, the northern region of the territory of Israel. And now he's coming to claim a prize. And the northern kingdom, the tribes of the northern kingdom come down and say to Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son in Jerusalem, make things easier for us. And Rehoboam listens to the younger men who are feisty and without wisdom, not the older men. And they find that he says, I'm going to make things harder for you. And I'm paraphrasing. Read the chapters whenever you go home or when you get a chance. And so one day out, Jeroboam is out walking with his new coat on. And the hide of the prophet comes and rips off him his new coat. And he takes the coat and he rips it into 12 pieces. One piece for each tribe in Israel. And he takes 10 pieces and he gives it to Jeroboam. And he says, the Lord's going to give you 10 tribes. And two tribes will be for the southern kingdom, the tribe of Judah. 
And one tribe to be a light always before them, which turns out to be the tribe of Benjamin. There comes two kingdoms then, with two capital cities, two lines of kings, and of course then two armies. Do you know the first time that you'll read the word Jews, J-E-W-S, is in 2 Kings chapter 16. Imagine that, right the whole way through the Bible, it's the first time that you'll read the name Jews. Check me out on it. And the reason you'll, you'll see, uh, what is happening in that chapter is that the Jews are fighting against a man called Rezin. Rezin is the king of Syria. And do you know who are on the side of the king of Syria fighting against the Jews? Israel. Israel. The northern kingdom. So the northern kingdom become known as Israel, the house of Israel, the house of Joseph. They become known as Ephraim. They become known as Samaria because Samaria is their capital city. The southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin, but some Levites throughout it, they become known as the house of Judah, or the Jews later on. They become known as that, and they're fighting one with another. We find that in, in it, the, the northern kingdom goes into, uh, into apostasy and into adultery before God. And they set up idols, and the Lord warns them through prophets like Elijah and Elisha. Amos, Hosea, all directed toward the northern kingdom. In fact, Amos was a, a man from the southern kingdom in Judah. And the northern kingdom of Israel received the message from the Lord to turn from their ways and God would forgive them. To turn from their wickedness and onto Yahweh, Jehovah God, and that he would be their God again. They wouldn't listen. And God warns him, he says, I am married unto you. You're my wife. Where does that happen? In Exodus chapter 19, way in history past, when Moses comes, and he's the officiator at the marriage, and he says to him, Israel, will you marry Jehovah or Yahweh? He says, if you do this, you can be his people. And they said, all that the Lord says we will do. And he's, the, Moses, the, the marriage officiator, becomes uh, the man who signs, as it were, the agreement between God and Israel. And they become Jehovah's wife. So now they're in the promised land. In other words, they're in, the Lord has carried them through the wilderness. Now he has carried them over Jordan and he's brought them into his house, into Canaan land, where he says, I've set this place for you. But they've went wild, they've went wrong. And there's where we are today in our reading. We're going to look at it. And I'm going to show you some things in it that you can place our nation in there. And you'll see the things and the things that I'm mentioning that happened in this day, you will see them happening in Britain today, in the United States today, in Canada today. You'll see they're happening all over Ireland today and Ulster today. There's no difference. There's no change. And even in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us, look, these things happen for our examples or our examples. And we are to look at these and say, thus will the Lord move. Thus will the Lord judge. Notice this. In Jeremiah chapter 3, Jeremiah 3, verse 7 says, And I said after she had done all these things, Turn thou unto me. But she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Here's two sisters. The treacherous sister Judah is the southern kingdom. God is saying to Israel in the north, He's saying, 
Turn to me for my mercy is great. Turn to me for my grace is toward you. Turn to me for my heart is for you. Turn to me because I love you. And he says they would not. They wanted other things. They wanted other pleasures. They wanted to live the worldly lifestyle. They didn't want him as their king. They wanted to have not only their own king, but it wasn't even the king from Judah or David's line. It was their own ungodly kings. Kings like King Ahab and his Zidonian wife, who was a witch, Jezebel. She was in the northern kingdom with Ahab. Ahab came from that line of kings, and every single king which came from the northern city of Samaria, from the northern house of Israel, were wicked before God. And God in His grace, in His mercy, in His kindness, His compassion, in His goodness, in His long-suffering said, I love you, turn to me, turn to me. Oh, how many does he say that to tonight? How many backsliders are there in Ulster? How many people are there that have walked away from God and he says, turn to me. Turn to me, my people. We're a nation full of idolatry. And we're a nation full of adultery before God. Notice what he says in verse 7. And I said, after she had done all these things, there's long suffering for you, friend. Turn thou to me, but she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Now, to look at the word treacherous here, there's two words. One's a root word, and then one comes from the root word. I'll make it very simple. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but faintly saith the Lord. The Lord says, Judah saw this and she sort of went, Oh, we better watch ourselves. But then after a while, who really cares? Will God really do this? Will God really abandon us? Will God really send us out of his house? God did. And God did. The word treacherous here in verses 7 and in verse 10 is the word bagod. And this is what it simply means. Treacherous, yes. It means deceitful. Perfidious. Now, what does perfidious mean? It simply means they became faithful. Unfaithful, pardon me. Faithless. And they had a breach of their faith of contract with me. In Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 8, the word changes. Verse 8 says, And I saw, for all the causes were backsliding, Israel committed adultery. Notice, I had put her away. God is speaking here of the northern ten tribe kingdom in the north of Israel, or the land of Palestine, or Canaan land. And he says, for all the causes where backsliding Israel committed adultery. He says, remember, she's his wife. She's an adulterous wife. Now she's a divorced wife from the Lord. I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce, he says. Now if you'll turn with me briefly, to Deuteronomy chapter 24. 
Deuteronomy chapter 24. Just the first few verses, please. And listen to the law of the Lord. It says, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that you find no favor in his eyes because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it into her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, the former husband which sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled. For that is abomination before the Lord, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. What is happening here? is that we're being told that when a woman is sent forth from her husband because of uncleanness, it's likened to the land where God brought Israel in. He says, you have become unclean before me. You, Israel, especially now in Jeremiah's day, the northern kingdom have been taken away. They have been given their bill of divorce and they have been put out of the house, just like Deuteronomy chapter 24 says it. And she goes and has other husbands and other lovers. She goes into all the earth and she comes and she migrates. And she marries, becomes heathen and idolatrous, even more so than she ever was. Can't return to her husband. But now Judah in the south is not divorced. The Lord says, well, how do I redeem them back? There has to be the death of a testator. And the Lord says, I'll come. And I will die. That when I rise again, I will marry my bride. You see, Jeremiah chapter 3 and 8 pardon me, 3 verse 8 and verse 11 says, And the Lord said unto me, Backsliding Israel hath justified herself more. Notice then, treacherous Judah. Here is this divorced nation, divorced people, two different destinies now. And here the Lord is saying, You, Judah, you're even worse now. We're going to look at this. You're worse than she is. You're treacherous. You're disloyal. You've been unstable and dangerous before me. You've been faithless and you've breached the contract of our marriage. In Jeremiah 3 verses 8 and 11, it's not the word bagod, it's the word bagad. Slightly different. It's more the root word where bagod comes from. Listen to what it means. It means unfaithful but it means to offend or to transgress. To offend or to transgress. But God also gives the idea of covering, to cover with a garment, or to do something covertly or fraudulently. The treacherous sister, the treacherous sister of Judah in the southern kingdom, they covered their treachery. They covered their faithlessness. Why? 
they came and they says, we have the temple. We have the ceremony. We have the sacrifice. We have the law. Yet they placed the Babylonian Talmud over the top of the law of God. That even in the time, well, 500 years later, when Jesus comes, 600 years later, he calls them, he says, you're off your father the devil. He says, you have taken the traditions of men more than the commandments of God. And we find here that she's covered under a cloak, has the facade, the garments, it all going on, the sacrifice, the blood, and the Lord says, no, I see the heart. I see the heart. Listen to Proverbs 25. I want to show you an example of this word, begad, for offend and transgress, unfaithful. Proverbs 25 and 19 says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. The word there, unfaithful, is the word begad. Begad. Confidence in an unfaithful man, a man who is no offensive man. He's a transgressor. It's like having a broken tooth and a foot out of joint you can't walk right with it. Putting your trust in someone and them, letting down time after time after time. Listen to Psalm 78, verses 56 to 60. Psalm 78, 56 to 60. Listen to what it says. Yet ye tempted, speaking to Israel, yet ye tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not his testimonies. Verse 57. But turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow. The word deceitful is, is a word, remelea. And remelea means a bow that's slack. You, you go to fire a, an arrow from the bow and it's not taut, it won't fire right. He says, that's what you became like to me, the Lord says. You were unfaithful, you were offensive, and you were a transgressor of my law. See for all that God has done for Britain. They are unfaithful. They are ungrateful. They are offensive to God. have broken his law. Everyone, every single man and woman has broken his law. Notice what the Lord says in verse 58. For they provoked him to anger with their high places. This is places of worship. Moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. Verse 60, so that he forsook the tabernacle in Shiloh, the tent which he placed among men. I see the word tent there in your Bible, underline it, because we're going to use that in a minute. The tent which he placed among men. The word for tent here is the word ochel. When Moses takes the tent and sets it outside of Israel, you see, all the other gods, they go up to their high places to worship. They go to their altars to worship. They go up into their mountain groves to worship. They go far outside the city to worship. But the difference with Israel was this. 
the tabernacle was right in the center of the people, right in the heart of the nation. The tent of God was there. The glory came down. And when God says, I will not meet you there, and Moses takes it out, and the people go out, it was called the Ohel Mahid. The Ohel Mahid is the place, the tent that stands out for people to go to to worship. And the Lord says, I had an Ohel. The word Ohel means a clearly conspicuous tent from a distance. It means a prominent, outstanding, easily seen, eminent place of worship. Israel, three tribes in the north, three tribes in the south, three tribes in the east, three tribes in the west. And there in the middle was the tabernacle where God came down. It could be seen the glory cloud of the Lord, the fire of God coming down. And all Israel could see it, and all Israel's enemies knew it. They knew it. God says, I have made it that it's prominent, it's eminent, it's outstanding, it's easily seen by all. And people knew, oh, don't go to attack Israel because their God is in the midst. The Lord says he removed the tent, the old hell. Remember that word. Jeremiah 3 and 7. Notice what he says. And I said after she had done all these things, turn now unto me. But she returned not, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Will you say saw it? Saw it. Would you say it one more time? Saw it. Would you say treacherous sister Judah saw it? Treacherous sister Judah saw it. Now that's important. I want you to get this into you. Judah's the southern kingdom looking at the northern kingdom. And when they see it, notice what this word saw means. It's a word ra'ah. That means to see, to behold, to appear, to perceive, literally or figuratively. Let me give you some, an example here. Hosea chapter 5 and verse 13. Hosea is a prophet to this northern kingdom. Hosea represents Jehovah in the story of Hosea. Gomer, whom he marries, the, woman, the wife of whoredoms, represents the northern kingdom of Israel. He puts her out of the house. He goes then to buy her back again, just like we're talking about how the Lord does that. That's the whole story of it. Remember one of the names is Ephraim for the northern kingdom. So notice, Hosea 5 and 13, the Lord says, When Ephraim saw his sickness... And Judah saw his wound. Then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jareb. Yet he could not heal you nor cure you of your wound. Notice Ephraim in the northern kingdom saw his own sickness. When Judah saw their wound, the northern kingdom thought, we're going to go to the Assyrians and make friends with them. They were next door to them. The Assyrians and Assyrians were there. We're going to make friends with them. That's why as well also we hear of an earlier part where I told you they, they're actually fighting against the Jews. Earlier on from this. The word here for saw, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, the word saw is ra'ah means to discern, to look one another. Do you ever get in our nation, in your neighborhood, your workplace, 
Do you ever get suddenly you're reading the papers, or if you read the papers, I don't read them, but if you read the papers, and, or, or if you're watching the news or whatever, and suddenly you realize, like, this is wrong. This is just wrong. Do you ever get when you say, how far can we go? How low can we get when we look and see what's going on around our country? Do you ever get like that, or is it just me? It's the word here. Judah saw it. Ephraim or Israel saw it. It means to look one another. They started looking, looking at the state of the nation, looking at the state of the people, looking at the state of them before God, looking at the way their, their, their one-time religion from uh, old days going to Jerusalem to worship. And now they have a bull calf made and put in Dan and another one in Bethel. And they're crying, These be thy gods, O Israel, who brought thee forth out of Egypt. And now they go to worship and bow down like the heathen. They start looking at it and they're saying, Hold on, what is going on here? But what did they do about it? What did they do about it? Can I ask you something, church? See, man, when you see, when we see, what do we do about it? Should we not have a lock-in like the world has and say we're not moving, Lord, till we're full with your spirit? Should we not be standing in every corner then witnessing for Christ to tell people of the impending doom upon our nation? They were exactly the same. Same breed. Same people. The Hebrew word means to discern, to look one upon another. Listen, the Greek corresponding or equivalent word is this, horeo. It means to have a vision. They started wakening up. What is going on with our government? What is going on in our, with our leaders? What is going on in Downing Street? What is going on in Stormont? What is going on in Europe? What is going on with our royal family. What way are they living? What, what way are they leading? What is going on with our nation? What is going on in our cities? What sort of parades are taking place? What about the pride? What about all these things? What about the sin? What about the nightclubs and the children spilling out all over the place and lying sick in their own vomit? And God says, there's an impending doom in every life. But don't ask me. Don't ask me to do much about it, Lord. I'm afraid of people falling out with me. We get a vision sometimes, we do nothing with it. Listen, ra'ah means to look one another. Horio, the Greek, means to have a vision. Do you know what the Latin word for it is that corresponds with ra'ah and horio, the Hebrew and the Greek? The Latin word is video. Sound familiar? Video. It's the English translation. It's as though God, through the prophets, through the preaching of the Word of God, God enlightened their conscience till they saw that they were in a dire state. Oh, what are we going to do? And the prophets are prophesying, and the preachers are preaching, and then they all start to go quiet because there's trouble on every side. 
Let's not rock the boat. Let's keep it Christian, as they would say. Hush, hush, and nice and softly does it. Tell everybody about the love of their father. And the Lord says, I have loved thee. But he says, after all you have done, yet you have not returned to me, Britain. Backsliding children. Yet for all this cause, backsliding Israel hath not returned unto me, he says. God shows, as it were, a video to the nation. He shows them through his word. Look at you before me. Brothers and sisters, can we just pause for a second and think of what's going on in so-called evangelical Ulster. See, you're now the bigot. You're the one with no love, even amongst other Christians. Oh, you cannot say Jesus is the only way. You dare not say it. Well, we dare, and we do. In Jeremiah 3 and 8, he says, the Lord says, and I saw. First of all, Ephraim and Judah, they saw. Now God says, I saw. Everything that's going on in the nation is like a video played out before God, and he watches it. He's engrossed, as it were, with it. And I saw for all work causes whereby backsliding Israel hath committed adultery. I had put her away and give her a bill of divorce, and yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the heart of it also. For the Lord's saying, Judah, you should have knew better. You had a chance. So two sisters, I want to tell you their two names. Well, their two names nationally are Israel and Judah, but let me tell you their names in Scripture. Ezekiel 23, please. Ezekiel chapter 23. Verse 1 says, Ezekiel 23, verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. And they committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. There were their breasts pressed, and their, they bruised the teats of their virginity. And the names of them were Ahala, the elder, and Ahaliba, her sister. There's their names. Ahala, the elder, and Ahaliba, her sister. <clears throat> And they were mine. And they bare sons and daughters. Thus were their names Samaria is Ahala and Jerusalem Ahalibah. And Ahala played the harlot when she was mine. And she doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors, which were clothed with blue, captains and rulers, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding upon horses. She committed her whoredoms with them, with all them that were chosen men of Assyria, and with all on whom she doted, with all their idols, she defined herself. There's their two names, Ahala, 
is Samaria, the northern kingdom's capital. Ahalibah is Jerusalem, the southern kingdom's capital. So when we look at these two girls, first of all, their names, God names them and he shames them. Ezekiel 23 and verse 5 says, And Ahala played the harlot when she was mine. Past tense. Now you see, what has happened is the northern kingdom, Ahala, Samaria, Ahala has been warned time and time again that judgment is coming and the Lord says it's coming and they don't listen and the sands and the Assyrians takes them away captive. They're gone. Don't return again. Now by the time we get to this in Jeremiah, Jeremiah and then into Ezekiel, which is a little later, they, they, the, the, the treacherous sister, Ahaliba, Jerusalem and the southern kingdom are taken away into Babylon. And God is writing here through the prophet and he's saying, listen, Ahala, the northern kingdom, the Samaria played the heart at when she was mine. And she doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors. She doted on them. The word here for heart, it means this in the Hebrew. To be highly fed and therefore wanton. To be highly fed and therefore wanton. God was saying, listen, this northern kingdom, this daughter, this sister, this wife of mine, she was highly fed with everything. Prosperous. Do you know at the time of this carrying away, it is said that the northern kingdom were at their height of their prosperity, and you see their prosperity caused them to forget God. Because their prosperity came from Assyrians and from the Syrians and from other places, and they loved their lovers, and they loved what they loved, and they wanted what they had. I'm so glad we're getting out of our own Egypt, our own Assyria of the European Union. I'm so glad that we're on our way out and that I believe it's off the Lord. God is bringing us out again. In other words, she couldn't get enough. Ahala was unsatisfied with her spouse, who was the Lord. He's never enough for people. Ahala was never satisfied with his love. Ahala was never satisfied her with anything that he would give her. She was only satisfied in her sin. She was blessed with goods, enriched in prosperity, protected by her head, by her covering. Yet she was greedy. She was selfish. She was lustful. She played the harlot. And the Lord says, when she was mine, she did it. He says, and I put her out. God kicked her out. It means when she was under the same place, which was my house, Canaan land. She left God's protection and brought herself into an unrecognizable condition. Her name changed. The Lord says, I'll hedge up her ways. She migrated. Didn't know herself. Didn't know where she was through the Caucasus Mountains, through into Europe and right across into these islands, spreading around the world. Lost to herself.
Ahala says doted on her lovers. The word doted here is the word agave, and it means she lusted to have inordinate affection. Notice. It gives the idea of to breathe and blow sensually. To breathe and to blow sensually. The Lord says, do you see Ahala? She panted. She got excited. She breathed and she blew sensually after other lovers. Her heart was pounding for her. Her heart was pounding for the Assyrian and all he had. Her heart was pounding for the things of the world. Her heart was pounding for the loss of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Her heart was pounding for it and she lived in the flesh. She could see none other but it. She doted on it. There's many in our nation today, even our nation collectively as a body outside of Christ. They're still the same. I want the lost. And their lust is never enough. I want the drink culture, the drug culture. You know what the Lord says about Britain's drink culture and drug culture? Let me tell you. Isaiah 28 and verse 1. He says, Woe! to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is as a fading flower. That's what he says. He says, oh, great Britain. What are you great because he made us great? Great Britain, empire around the world. Oh, great Britain, how wonderful. Listen, he says, your glorious beauty is now like a fading flower. We talk about Donald Trump saying to make America great again. Trump can't make America great. Only Jesus can make Britain and America great again. Only Jesus. Listen to what Ezekiel 23 verse 7 says. Thus she committed her whoredoms with them that were chosen men of Assyria and with all whom she doted. There's the word she doted. With all their idols she defiled herself. Notice the language God is saying. He's watching this. It's like a man coming home from work and finding his wife in bed with another man. And he forgives her, and the next day he comes home from work, and he finds her at it again. And the next day he comes home from work, and there she is again. Then she goes out, and she doesn't come home, and he finds she's away with another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and he forgives her, and forgives her, and forgives her, and then he says, enough! Panting hard after it. That's enough. Friend, let's bring this to a personal level. You don't know the day and the hour when God may say to you, enough. Enough. says, verse 9, Wherefore I have delivered her into the hands of her lovers. Notice, I've delivered her. <laughs> Samaria, a holla. You want them? 
says, I fancy, he says, here, take her. And the Assyrians, she doted on, came. And they slayed many, took them away slaves and captive. And the Lord says, I deliver her into the hands of her lovers and into the hand of the Assyrians upon whom she doted. Listen, friend, this is what I've written at the top of this page. That which they love eventually captures them, addicts them, enslaves them, then kills them. Now, friends, sin will always take you further than you ever want to go, keep you longer than you ever want to stay, and cost you more than you ever want to pay. Are you saved? Are you saved? A holla, do you know what a holla means? This is Samaria, the northern ten tribe kingdom. You know what a holla means? Listen, she hath her own tent. Remember I told you about the tent of hell? The whole hell, the visible expression, the tent which is outstanding, that's noticeable from a distance? It's the same word, a holla. Ochel is in the word Ochala, and it means she has her own tent. What she is doing is visible. Everybody notices it. You can see it from a distance. She has her own tent. Ochaliba, Jerusalem, kingdom of Judah. Ahalibah means woman off the tent, or the tent is in her. My tent is in her, it means too. God is saying, do you see the tent now? It's the, 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 the temple in Jerusalem then comes. God says, see there, that's my tent. That temple was my tent. My tent is in her. And now she goes to play the harlot also. He says, this temple is easily seen and noticed from a distance. In Ezekiel 23, time's moved, moved on, and I have to wrap this up. Ezekiel 23, verse 26, please. So, pardon me, 36. 36. Listen to what it says in verse 36. The Lord said, Moreover unto me, Son of man, wilt thou judge Ahala and Ahaliba? Yea, declare unto them their abominations that they have committed adultery. The blood is in their hands, and with their idols they have committed adultery. They have also caused their sons, whom they bear unto me, to pass through the fire, to devour them. Moreover, this they have done unto me. They have defiled my sanctuary in the same day. They have profaned my Sabbath. For when they had slain their children to the idols, then they came the same day into my sanctuary to profane it. And lo, thus have they done in the midst of mine house. Do you know what they were doing? A holiba in Jerusalem, they had this temple, Solomon's great edifice. The glory of God was to be there. Do you know what they started doing? They started putting up all the idols because, you see, into Israel came all these other nations and they brought all their other gods and they brought all their other temples and they built all their other places of worship. Hello? And when they did that, Molech, one of the gods of the heathen, Molech was a god when he stood, they, they built a great big edifice of him and they 
stuffed him. He was hollow, and they stuffed him with burnable stuff, with flammables, and they set him in fire. And in those hands like this, they took their babies and set them in it, and they were boiled or cooked alive to satisfy Molech, the god of the heathen. Listen. Micah the prophet mentions this in verse chapter 6 and verse 7. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul, he says. There's no way, he says, that I can even give something that's so precious like my own child for an offering for my own sin. And neither can you, friend. There's nothing you can do for an offering of sin. And that's including whether you go to a mass or whether you go to a church or whether you come to here or whether you go to Jerusalem and bear the wailing wall. It doesn't matter. It's all in the blood of Jesus. We see it everywhere. The silent holocaust of abortion. Little children ripped to bits in the womb. Offered on to the Molech of this age. And even some people who say they love the Lord Jesus and love his word, they find this okay. And there they'll be in the house of God singing on to him the next day. God says, I've seen that. Repent of it. What about those people who say, it's all right to go out on a Saturday night and go to your nightclub, and then they're praising God in the church the next morning, stinking of alcohol. <laughs> Am I right? God says, don't come to my house like that. The only spirit that should be in you is the Holy One. The Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Can't do it. I'm closing this. I have so much stuff, I don't know where to stop. In Ezekiel 23 and verse 44, the Lord says, Yet they went in unto her, as they go in unto a woman that playeth the harlot, so they went into a holla and unto a hollybah. Now listen to the language what the Lord says here is the lewd women. The word lewd is zima or zima. That means they're heinous, their wickedness of mind, deed, device, and desire. He says in verse 36 of Ezekiel 23, declare unto them their abominations. Tell them, make it known. Be in their face, he says. Listen, can't settle down. You're going to get into trouble. I told you last week, I already have. Can't settle down. You're, you're, you're going to upset. I'm not here to upset. I'm here to tell truth. It's the truth shall make you free. 
Notice this. The word declare here means the exact same word when the psalmist in Psalm 19 and 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Do you see how as much as you can look up at night and see the moon and the stars, see as much as you can see the sun, see as much as you can see all the, 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 the constellations when you look through a telescope and it's all above you everywhere you go, morning, noon, and nighttime, that's the way the exact same word as he says, be in their face and tell them, and tell them, and tell them that the God of Israel is coming back. And here's Amos 4 and 12, prepare to meet thy God. That's not the end of the verse. It says, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. It says, all right, it's happening all around us, but see, when it comes to our own, to our homes, it's different. So the Lord had put her away. There's a treacherous sister. And of course, there's a black back sliding people. What is the only thing that can be done? Listen, see if you go into this. You know what they were doing? They were doing everything that's happening today, and the Lord even tells them that they're not, he tells them how to live and how they shouldn't be living. And he tells them what to eat and what not to eat. He says, I want you to be in health. And then he sees, he says, you're, you're, you're eating swine's fleshy abomination. He says, and then he says, you're making stew of all abominable things or soup. You know what he calls it? He says, abomination means I detest it. What is their only hope? What is our only hope? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 31. We'll finish around here. Thank you. This has been a bit longer. Thank you for your attention. Is everybody all right for a couple of minutes then? Yes? Okay. Jeremiah 31. See, every single Israelite has an Adamite gene or Adam's genes. And what we have is Adam's genes and they're depraved, dead and fallen from the garden. That's why the field, that's why you feel. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Listen, here is our hope. The Lord says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them. See the language, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. What is this new covenant made? Well, it's simple. We broke bread this morning. The Lord Jesus says, This bread is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. As we broke that, he cried on the cross, it is finished, and all those things that were against us, the transgressions, your sin, your lifestyle, everything that you've done in your past, your very nature, which has fallen indeed. He carried it in his own body on the tree, and he bore our sin away from us. 
Living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried my sins far away. Rising, He justified. Freely forever. And one day, He's coming. Oh, glorious day. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. This is our hope. The cross of Christ. It's our only hope. It's our only hope. Revelation 1, this is our, my last reading. I've written it down. Starting at verse 5. This is what we'll be singing. Unto him that hath loved us. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Be holy cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. But you and I who are found in him, we will say, Even so come, Lord Jesus. Baruch Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Bless his holy name. Thank you for listening to me. I was a bit longer there.